Hi, folks, and welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis. Now, in today's program, we're featuring Dr. Lisa Beckton. She is the Director of Swine Health for the National Pork Board, and she's here today to talk with us about African swine fever. So thank you for being with us here today to share this information on a topic that really has got a few of us a little uneasy in the livestock industry. Yeah, thanks for hosting me today. You know, ASF has been on a lot of people's minds really since 2018, but even more so now that it was identified in the Dominican Republic. That's a little bit closer to home, for sure. Yes, most definitely. Now, according to a recent study that some economists did over at Iowa State University, the economic impact of a hypothetical African swine fever outbreak could cost the pork industry more than $50 billion over 10 years. That's billion with a B? Yes, that is correct. And and so for just those numbers and statistics alone, that's why we're very, very concerned. Of course, African swine fever has all of us concerned for a lot of reasons, most because we don't have any solid interventions like vaccines for this particular disease versus if we look at other foreign animal diseases like classical swine fever or foot and mouth disease, there are at least vaccine interventions, mm-hmm. but not so with ASF. So it's, it's very concerning. So with ASF, you would have to do just quarantine euthanasia disposal, and that is a lot harder than people recognize that it is on the surface. Yes, it sure is. And and a lot of that really comes back to doing everything that we can for prevention, but also in the same token, we have to be prepared in the event should it ever get to our shores, because we don't ever want to be caught unawares and, and not have all the proper things that we could be doing ahead of time done. If producers want to be a part of the preparation being part of the solution rather than just waiting, what are some of the things that producers do to protect the herd and the industry as a whole from African swine fever? You know, there's a lot of things that can be done immediately, and none of it really has to be any great, big, complicated things. The first and foremost, probably the easiest is to assess your internal biosecurity on farm. And I know we harp on biosecurity for a lot of things, but it really is one of the main ways that we can prevent diseases from coming into a farm. So things like knowing where your supplies are coming in from and and taking steps to make sure they're clean, making sure your feed trucks, your live haul trucks are cleaned and disinfected before coming onto your farm to either, you know, to pick up loads. Also looking at how you have a line of separation, keep people inside of the farm and the pigs safe from folks that are outside of the farm that you can't control. A lot of those things all come into play and those are type things that you can see within pork quality assurance, but also things like secure pork supply have a lot of really good sound guidelines for biosecurity. So secure pork supply, if this is something people haven't heard of before, could you elaborate on it a little bit? Secure pork supply, it's another industry program that really comes into play in the event that a disease or ASF should get into the United States. So it's not something that producers would do beforehand. But what Secure Pork Supply does is it really focuses on biosecurity, animal observations, and disease surveillance. Because if the disease gets here, we want to make sure that we can have most producers as possible still maintain their course of business, even with having that first diagnosis of ASF. And so there's a a website, securepork.org, that has a lot of really good 
information about that program and what producers can do to work with their states to participate in that and to set up a secure pork supply plan for their operation and farm. Is there anything else that's an online resource that people could utilize in order to be more prepared for the advent of an African swine fever outbreak? There are. There is another industry program and one that the pork checkoff really has been heavily involved in is called AgView. And, you know, as we talk about business continuity, AgView is really designed to help promote farmers and pig producers to have business continuity. And one of the big things that we always look at when a disease is identified on a farm, it's so important to be able to look at trace back and pig movements and animal ID and premise ID to be able to understand where that disease may have moved to or where it may have come from. And so the program, the online program AgView really helps to fill in the gaps for producers as being a source or a mechanism that producers can have that data and easily give that to their state veterinarians for the state veterinarians to work with them on, you know, do they quarantine farms? Do they not? Do they have trace back? So AgView is a really important piece of the puzzle to help producers be prepared in the event a disease should get here. But it can also help them just every day looking at animal movements and being able to manage a lot of things that we do on farm like diagnostics and production information. Okay, well, that's very interesting. And, you know, it's it's good to know that there's some resources where people can plug into and, and be part of a community of people that are hoping to get ahead of the problem, or if the problem exists, at least they're being part of the solution. You bet. And, and producers can access that at porkcheckoff.org forward slash agview, all one word, agview. And so, yeah, producers can create an account. We had a lot of folks at World Pork Expo this summer uh, set up accounts to handle their data. We as Pork Board don't hold the data. That's all producer-owned, and it's permissioned. So a producer has to give permission for their information to be accessed. So it's a very, very secure system and way for people to, again, take part and be prepared in the event a foreign animal disease should get here. Talk about if a disease actually gets here, which we hope it never does happen, but because there is the potential, the first person who's going to see it is the person who's actually on the farm. And folks might want to know, well, what does it even look like? So what are some of the things that people should be keeping an eye out for that might be indicative of a foreign animal disease, African swine fever, or something of the like? Clinical symptoms and signs for African swine fever can vary depending on type, but as we talk with folks that are, you know, in China and Europe and have seen this virus, this the current virus, the Georgia strain, a lot of things that you'll see is animals going off feed. Sometimes you may come in, be in a farm one day, come in the next day, and you start to see unusual amounts of death loss. You might see reddening or purpling of the pig's legs and the ears, and you might even see blood in their nostrils or bloody diarrhea. And so symptoms can vary. A lot of times too, if people do take temperatures of animals, African swine fever can cause a very, very high temperature, greater than 105. And we typically don't see that with other diseases. You know, swine influenza can get that high, but this one, if people take temperatures of these pigs that are down, it will usually generate a very, very high fever. 
Well, that's good to know. I would like to echo and encourage people, at myself as a veterinarian, though, on the cattle side, that if you have these questions, don't be bashful and don't feel bad about bothering somebody to call to ask because it's not a problem if you call and ask and it's the flu or whatever. That's fine. Don't blow it off. And, and that's imp- that's extremely important because some of the diseases that we have, you know, for example, a really hot strain of PERS can look like ASF or even salmonella. And so I agree 100% with what you're saying. If people don't know what they're seeing, even though they know something's not quite right, call your herd veterinarian or if you know your state veterinarian, call them as well. Because again, it's better to be safe than sorry. Because when we're dealing with really any disease, the quicker we can identify it, identify what it is, and then get a control plan in place is going to be so, so critical. Absolutely. That's the difference between the $5 billion and the $50 billion impact that we were discussing earlier. Yes, it really is. If things were to get, unfortunately, in that situation, it's really good for people to have a plan on how they're going to manage it on their own location. You know, by all means, we hope it never happens. But once again, better to be prepared. So what are some of the things people need to keep in mind to be prepared if they were to have that foreign animal disease show up on their, on their operation? And we hope no one ever is the first case, but if a herd or a farm does uh, is identified as an ASF positive herd, um, it really is important to think ahead of time, what will I do with those carcasses? And honestly, it will be involved working with the herd veterinarian, with the state veterinarians, and probably even our federal partners, as well as the state natural resource offices. Because every state is going to vary with what is allowed for carcass disposal, but it's good to work with a veterinarian to understand what are my options for depopulation. Because depopulation is different from our day-to-day euthanasia of sick animals, and there are a little bit more allowances for depopulation of large numbers of animals. And that information can also be found at porkcheckoff.org. So that's one part. The other part is to try to identify where would I dispose of these carcasses and what method can I use in my state and in my farm? Is that burial? Is that above ground burial? Is it composting? But at least identifying where physically that could be done and what method and understand that ahead of time is really important None of us want to ever have to think about it, much less implement, but it's a lot easier to try to do a little bit of preparing ahead of time versus trying to all of a sudden come down and create a plan right when a disease is first identified and we're, you know, right in the thick of trying to manage that. Yeah, and this isn't something that has never happened on their soil. I mean, we had a high path avian influenza not too long ago and we had to answer these questions. That's correct. And and even more recently, a lot of folks unfortunately had to deal with the aftermath of COVID-19, you know, and some of our plant and and production shutdowns and slowdowns. And unfortunately, (laughs) we learned a lot from our COVID experience, and Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us would like to repeat it. But what that did do, if there ever was a silver lining, is force us to look at these very issues of depopulation and disposal of larger farms and mass mortalities. 
it was definitely a question that was a topic of this conversation in my house since my wife is an area veterinarian for the state of South Dakota. So to answer a question for the South Dakota listeners on what you're saying, burn, bury, render, compost are your options for disposal of carcasses. But I'm going to bet renderings off the list when you have a foreign animal disease because they don't want you to move it anywhere. Yes, there's a lot of renderers and even the rendering associations have a lot of hesitation when it comes to foreign animal disease. And at least with COVID, you know, we weren't dealing with an animal disease. And so business as normal went on that route, but you're exactly right. When we deal with a foreign animal disease, a lot of our, our things that we do, you know, without having that really become more and more difficult to do. They can't leave the place. You got to figure out how to dispose of them where they're at, basically. That's correct. Well, this isn't exactly the happiest conversation in the world. They can talk about puppies and butterflies maybe next time. At least it's good conversation to have in the back of your mind, at least to get this developed and and make sure to reach out to people that can help you with it if the situation ever arose. Exactly. A little ounce of prevention goes a long way. And we have the pork industry. We've all worked very closely with a lot of our other both state and federal partners trying to address these very critical and serious issues. And I think, you know, we've, well, none of us ever want to imagine having to put them into place. I think we are a little bit better prepared than we were even, you know, a year ago. Hmm. And so a lot of the things that Chekhov has done and funded both in all of these areas, again, can be found at porkcheckoff.org. Well, Dr. Becton, thank you very much for taking the time to talk about this issue that's not as, as fun as puppies and butterflies, but still very important to, for us to talk about. Yeah, thank you for the time today. And thank you to our listening audience out there. Y'all take care, folks. 